Cade Mila Falta. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, where we travel in the footsteps of your Irish ancestors, visiting their homelands and telling their stories as they put down roots in so many places around the world. Welcome to the Letter from Ireland show, Series 1, Episode 11. In the show, we like to share the stories of our ancestors and bring your Irish heritage to life. Before we start, do remember that any resources or references we mention in this episode can be found in the show notes at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 111. So that's aletterfromireland.com forward slash 111. In this show, we'll be looking at two stories that you will identify with, especially if you have any Irish blood running through your veins. Let's see if you agree. I'm going to start by asking you some questions. Do you have a strong woman in your life that you admire? Maybe it's your granny, mother, sister, friend or boss. Someone who forges the way for others to follow. You might have guessed listening to those questions that our theme for today's letter is strong women. And as we're on the letter from Ireland, it's not just strong women, but strong Irish women. In today's letters, I'd like to introduce you to two politically active Irish women from our past. They played their part in shaping the role of women in Ireland today. So let's begin with our first letter entitled, Many have loved your moments of glad grace. Have you ever met a strong woman in your life? Someone who said what needed to be said, took a stand and led by example. Perhaps your friends and family see you that way. Well, around the end of the 19th century, there seemed to emerge in Ireland a number of such women. They were often of Anglo-Irish descent and had both the means and influence to push for an end to the inequalities they saw around them in Ireland and to sponsor the rise of an Irish national culture. One of these women went by the name of Maud Gon. Perhaps you've heard of her. In her long life, she was, among other things, a revolutionary, suffragette, founder of a number of various women's movements, actor, wife to a man executed in the Irish 1916 Rising, mother to many children, including the founder of Amnesty International, and the muse to a man who was one of the greatest poets in the English language. On St. Patrick's Day, 1902, Miss Maud Gahn addressed the crowds in the busy market town of Skibbereen in County Cork. She had recently founded the women's movement, Daughters of Ireland, and was passionate on the message of Irish culture and nationalism, and the central part women had to play in their resurgence. However, on that day in Skibbereen, she couldn't reach the town hall where she was due to give her speech, so she improvised and spoke from her hotel room to the crowds below. Many have loved your moments of glad grace. In 1889, Maud Gaunt was introduced to the poet William Butler Yeats in Dublin for the very first time. It said he fell in love with her on the spot. Well, now that's poets for you. It might be no coincidence that Yeats' most memorable poems and lines came from after that time, and he firmly placed Maud Gaughan at the centre of both his personal and artistic ambition. Over the following 12 years, Yeats proposed to Gaughan at least 
four times. She rejected him each time and she then went on to marry John McBride in 1903. In some ways we were made privy to their exchanges and feelings at the time as so much was captured in both their letters and poems by Yeats himself. Yeats writes the following unforgettable words in the poem A Wishes for the Cloths of Heaven. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly because you tread on my dreams. Now you might think that those lines would win Maud's heart. However, while Maud gone enjoyed the friendship of Yeats, she didn't feel the attraction. In fact, she retorted to his proposals with the following canny observation. You make beautiful poetry out of what you call your unhappiness and are happy in that. Marriage would be such a dull affair. Poets should never marry. The world should thank me for not marrying you. Maud Gon went on to live a long life, dying at the age of 86 in 1953, and was buried in the Republican plot in Glasnevin Cemetery in Dublin. As I write these words, I'm looking out that same window that Maud Gon opened to address the crowds in Skibbereen back in 1902. This was a hotel at the time, and she could not make it to the town hall through the crowds, so she just threw open this window before me and did what she did best. She spoke from the heart and led from the front. I do look forward to finding those words that Maud Gon delivered on that day. I'm sure they're around here somewhere. However, in the meantime, let us go back to the words of William Butler Yeats, to another wonderful poem inspired by his muse and friend, Maud Gon. How many loved your moments of glad grace and loved your beauty with love false or true, but one man loved the pilgrim soul in you and loved the sorrows of your changing face. And those lines are from when you are old and were written in 1891. And so that brings us to the end of our first letter. I think you will have to agree Maud Gon was right after all, and her repeated rejection of Yeats's marriage proposals and his unrequited love fueled his magnificent poetry. I remember learning those poems when you are old and A wishes for the cloths of heaven back in school, and I was enthralled by the story of Yeats and Maud Gon. I had to admit that their doomed love affair was just the thing to make poetry interesting to a teenager. What do you think? Now, let's move on to our second letter today, which also relates to another strong Irish woman. This woman did not have the privileged background of Maud Gon, so her accomplishments and achievements are all the more extraordinary because of that. The lady in our second letter is more of what we would call here in Ireland an Irish mammy. And as we read this second letter, you'll know exactly what I mean when I refer to an Irish mammy. So let us continue our journey with this letter entitled One Tale of a Real Irish Mammy. Isn't it funny how certain Irish sayings and phrases survive emigration so well? I was reminded of this recently when Nita Fandre shared the following with us on A Letter from Ireland. Nita writes, as I was looking at some old maps of Ireland online, I noticed that around many of the lakes is written liable to flood, 
I was amused and happy at once because it reminded me of something my Irish-American mother said quite often. For example, if she saw someone going out in the cold without wearing a coat, she would say, you're liable to catch pneumonia. And she would use, you're liable to, in many contexts. I've never heard that from anyone else. Is this expression limited to Ireland or Irish people? Do people in Ireland still use it today? Thanks, Nita. Well, Nita, you brought my own mother back to me with those words. I think the phrase is just one of many that is popular with the Irish mammy around the world. And that mammy is the subject of our letter today. We were talking a couple of days back about how hard it is to come up with stories and example of women from Ireland's past and present. It seems that their tales and accomplishments of Irish women down through the years have been underplayed, unreported, and they're generally missing from the history books. What do you think? But we do have the programme Mrs Brown's Boys. Not sure how I feel about her though. The thing is, you turn it on and you can't stop laughing. There's a lot of truth about Irish mammies in that creation. We were referring to the TV programme created by Brendan O'Carroll called Mrs Brown's Boys. It features an Irish mammy, Agnes Brown and her family. This comedy draws crowds of up to 10 million when it plays on British TV. But we'll come back to that Mrs Brown later. Now let's move on and look at the life of a truly extraordinary Irish woman. Stay with me to the end and we'll come full circle. The tale of a real Irish mammy. Maureen McHugh was born in Dublin in 1913 to a family of school teachers. She attended University College Galway and was on track to become a school teacher herself. Then she decided to surprise her family and entered religious orders as a nun instead. That did not last long as she met and fell in love with Gerald O'Carroll. So she left the nuns and became a school teacher in the north side of Dublin City. However, her career was cut short with her marriage to Gerald. You see, in Ireland at the time and all the way to the early 1970s, women civil servants had to give up their permanent job as soon as they got married. Now, this struck Maureen as desperately unfair and she decided to do something about it. Over the following years, Maureen and Gerald had 10 children together and then adopted another from a local reform school. So you might think that she had her hands full by that stage. However, Maureen was of the nature, whenever she saw an injustice, she acted and did something about it. In the aftermath of World War II, there was a lot of price inflation in food. Maureen felt that the food companies were taking advantage of the situation, so she went on to found the Lower Prices Council. She successfully took a number of companies to court and forced them to hold their prices steady. Then, in 1954, she was asked to become a TD, which is a member of the Irish Parliament, for the Labour Party in North Dublin City. She successfully contested the election and became the first female TD of the Labour Party, as well as Chief Whip for the following four years. 
Her focus was always on improving the lot of women and children in Irish society, and she had the chance to put a lot of new legislation in place through her new governmental role. Laws like introducing the new short-form birth certificate so a child could no longer be labelled as illegitimate, but was noted as instead as father undeclared. She was also behind a number of laws that aimed to give women the same rights as men in the eyes of the law. Sadly, her husband Gerald died at an early age in 1857, but even as a lone parent with a young family, she went on to set up a women's refuge and became a top trade union official. Eventually, Maureen O'Carroll saw that the law requiring women civil servants to give up work on marriage was abolished in the early 70s. Mrs O'Carroll meets Mrs Brown. You might think that Maureen O'Carroll was the polar opposite of the Mrs Brown in Mrs Brown's Boys TV show that I mentioned at the start of the letter. But here's where the story takes an unusual twist. You see, while still a member of Parliament, Maureen gave birth to her youngest son. Her son was called Brendan O'Carroll, and this is the same Brendan who went on to create and inhabit the Mrs. Brown Irish Mammy character all those years later. He maintains while the world saw his mother as an energetic political and civil rights activist, she was just like all mothers to her own children just his Irish mammy. She was so opinionated and forthright at times that poor Brendan remembers wanting to hide her false teeth to get a bit of a rest, or the time she would not come out of the supermarket while he was waiting in the car for her, so he rang security to report that she was stealing, which got her out of the shop in double quick time. He has many more hilarious stories which show the warmth, love and respect he had for his mother. And the show Mrs. Brown Boys is full of his Irish mammy stories. It's no wonder we're all splitting our sides laughing when we watch it. So Maureen would probably be mortified if she thought other people considered her the inspiration for Mrs. Brown. But I don't think she has to worry the positive effects that her own achievements had on the lives of others are standing on their own merits. Well, how about you? Have you had a strong, forthright, opinionated woman in your life? Or in other words, do you have an Irish mammy in your life? So there we have our two letters from Ireland for today. Remember, two feisty, strong Irish women, Maud Gonn and Maureen O'Carroll, both part of our collective Irish heritage. Now, let's not take for granted what we owe these women, but you know, you may not have far to go to find strong women among your own family and friends. By the way, Mike and I were in Sligo a few summers back and the annual Yeats Poetry Festival was in full swing, attracting people from home and abroad, all united in their love of poetry, Yeats and Ireland. It rained for the week but that didn't seem to dampen anybody's enthusiasm. Well, that's it for this week. I do hope you've enjoyed listening to the Letter from Ireland show where we bring your Irish ancestry to life. Finally, remember the show notes for this podcast are available at aletterfromireland.com forward slash 111. Just before we go, 
Thanks again for listening. And if you have enjoyed today's Letter from Ireland show, we invite you to check out our special membership area called The Green Room. You can find full details of The Green Room at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. And remember there, green room is all one word. The Green Room is the essential resource for anyone at any stage in researching their Irish heritage. It's where we delve into all the good stuff to help you break down those brick walls and connect the pieces in your Irish ancestry puzzle. You get access to online genealogists, extensive research tools, quick win training, as well as member-only access to johngrenham.com and a supportive, active community to help you along the way with feedback and advice. The Green Room is the perfect place to be for anyone starting or continuing their Irish ancestry search. So do come and join us at aletterfromireland.com forward slash green room. Well, that's it for me. And I'll be back next week with another installment of the Letter from Ireland show. Look forward to chatting with you then. Slán Karina.